This is the Raider Cotton Nation podcast with your host, Alpha Mike, and our roster of co-hosts, we patrol America's law enforcement beat. We invite you today on a ride-along. Now, here's your weekly briefing on Raider Cop Nation. Yep, just when you thought that the government of the United States couldn't get any lower, now it's made God into a business. Got a lot to talk about, so let's not waste any time. Of course, we are broadcasting high atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. This is Alpha Mike, and you are listening to Raider Cop Podcast. Today's episode 114, and what are we discussing? We are discussing the prayer business. Part of our sidebar series, we are going to take a look at how the National Prayer Breakfast is become and has become a business. Let's just say it is a bazaar for lobbyists, foreign dignitaries, congressmen, senators, the elite. They show up out of the woodwork. They use God as an excuse, and they wheel and deal. So, a lot to spread out, and I know that whoever's listening to the podcast, that individual wants to blame one side or the other. It's the left, it's the right, but this is our government. So, we're going to dive into that, we... I'm going to take a moment. I'm just going to read real quick the uh, oncoming schedule. And, um, of course, uh, next week's episode, episode 115, we start looking at uh, Thanksgiving. So we are uh, going to have a show where we're going to give uh, thanks for those things that we are grateful for. And uh, it's going to be a nice little episode. December 4th. Uh, we're going to be talking about who's the boss of the mafia. People want to know, uh, you know, a lot of our Wise Guy series, this guy, that guy. Uh, that's all ancient history. I want to know what's going on now. So we're going to give them the breakdown of who's who. Uh, December 11th, Truth, Justice, and the New American Way, episode 117. Uh, December 18th, we look at episode 118, Conservative versus liberal leader in law enforcement, the difficulties, the differences and difficulties of of the two types of leader, and that's going to be with the cop. December 25th, of course, gearing into Christmas, and uh, we're just going to put the best of Rated Cop Nation for 2019. Five to six shows that were the top rated in 2019. We'll put a couple of minutes on there of whatever highlight is of those episodes, and we'll put that together for you. Uh, January 1st, praising God for another year. Of course, we do everything we do. God goes first. And January 1st will be no exception. We will uh, be praising God in that episode as well. That's 120. Uh, January 18th of 2020, we do La M, which stands for M in, Mex- in, in Spanish, which is the Mexican Mafia. 
That's episode 121. January 15th to 2020, episode 122, we feature the one and lonely, the, the gracious Wonder Woman will be back with us, and we're going to be talking about roll call. Roll call on the day-to-day business, which is uh, something that a lot of civilians don't understand about roll call, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit of the specificalities of, of how that works. Uh, January 22nd, 2020, we're going to have the one and only Pistol Pete, and I'm going to take the opportunity like I've always have always have if you have a gun and you want to you know tweak it up get the trigger going a little bit better uh, nice and fit uh, you can always go to Pistol Pete's gunsmith and uh, his information is always on our show notes so January 22nd 2020 we're going to have episode 123 Pistol Pete's going to come and he's going to discuss with us the gunsmith the how to prepare to become a gunsmith. Of course, it's all about knowledge and experience and aptitude and skill. But you got to start somewhere, and Pistol Pete will be with us to discuss that. January 29th, uh, we still have on, on, on reserve or backup with the CBD, which is, uh, you know, American marijuana uh, and oils and so forth how departments are going to outlaw it if Congress eventually makes it into a national law. How is that going to work? So we put that off because I was told that there's a major police organization ready to throw out uh, some information or memorandum to the effect, and uh, which uh, probably every agency will piggyback on until... Congress does their job, <laughs> which they really don't do that, so you don't have nothing to worry about. So January 29th is still going to be on, on uh, standby. If we do not have January 29th, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, fill it in with the crisis intervention CIT program that uh, I think I left off on um, two, three episodes of that, and we said that that was going to be a 10, 10 episodes on crisis intervention teaming and the training aspect of that. So I might fill that in for January 29th, but I'll keep you up to breast on that situation. All right. Without any further ado, it's time to read the word of the week. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he... Who does the will of God abides forever. And so we ask ourselves today in this broadcast that we have coming up on the prayer business, is this the will of God? 
Unfortunately, some of these characters are say it is, and we'll discuss that uh, shortly. And it's an eye-opener. Uh, some people might ask, well, what does this have to do with law enforcement? We don't know because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But it's more to take the pulse of the government, the pulse of our our politicians in office, and how corrupt it's become, where even the fear of God does not exist. So we'll look at that. Now we're going to keep on our efforts here discussing the club. As I said, we're going to go all the way towards the end of the year uh, speaking on that subject. And here are a couple of items that we uh, spoke about. We, we talked about uh, structure. And uh, on episode 110, on, on 111, we spoke briefly about the purpose. On 112, we talked about contacts. And uh, on episode 113, we spoke about the bank. Today, on episode 114, we're going to discuss rules. Every association has to have rules, and the clubs are no exception. Some of the rules that are in place are generic in nature, such as the amount of dues that you have to pay um, when the organization meets, uh, the time frame the board will have to convene, the rules of a meeting, which are basically uh, something called Robert's Rules, and I'll post that on the show notes, on, on um, conduct and how you're going to conduct yourself during the meeting, placing motions and so forth. So a lot of that is boring and, and monotonous, but those are some of the rules. Now, you'll read the rules out of your constitution and your bylaws. And as I said, much of what you read is generic in nature. There are some rules that are written that are concerning to some members, especially those of leadership positions, but they don't have real history on it, so they're not concerned. But if it would be invoked, they'd be concerned. What the hell are you speaking about now, Alpha? Well, there was one little rule that we had that came much later. Uh, the or, or club that I speak of had three levels, or actually four, four changes of name during its lifespan. The first organization, and I'm not going to mention the name, but uh, lasted several years. There was an accusation that came from certain members of how that club, when it started Inception, were uh, not doing things the right way. We'll say that. Other accusations where they were in bed with the department. Uh, so a challenge arose 
the leadership of that group was insulted and said, if you think you can do a better job, you take it. And they did. And uh, the next phase or era of the club now has a different name, and it rules uh, probably about nine years, give or take, and it becomes successful. It organizes itself. And this is the area where I introduce myself. I take a mid-level position and I rise to a high-level position. And I start to create the ethos towards running the club. Then we go to a third phase of the era of the club where we branch out nationally and the national flavor let's say had to us down in Miami a little bit too much salsa and what I mean by that is because it was something that we were looking for a national voice but we were not looking for a national dictatorship so we leap into our fourth era, name change again, and this is this metamorphosis now causes splinter groups to go from one to three. But the group that I ran, I decided not to hang my hat in the department. That I was in. I'll explain that in a minute. So one of the rules that we came up with was no board member may take a position in the agency without the ex express consent of the board. It might sound that it's not very fair, but you also have to look at the other side of the cone where people might sell out the organization, provide information to the department, or better said, become confidential informants. And therefore, they're rewarded with a position. Now, going up in rank was not a part of that rule. If you studied and you did everything you needed to do, took your tests, your assessments and all that, scored very well, and you went up in rank. We were fine with that. You know, you had to do your one-year probation and, and uh, you know, probably get worse days off. And, you know, it's kind of like starting all over again every time you get promoted. So that wasn't what we were talking about. We were talking about, you know, you were in a specific rank. You had some time under your belt. And all of a sudden, then somebody gives you the, the nod apply for this, it looks favorable for you, and it's a cushy position that everybody would kill for in the agency, and all of a sudden you're crown prince, and it's given to you. Well, those are the people that we targeted with that amendment. So you would have to bring it up to the board, and the board would have to vote on it. To give you an example, it was used. One of uh, the board members at the time was, let's just say, 
working things out behind the scenes without our knowledge, but we found out before the move. And so the board member, you know, that, that deer in the headlights look, they know I, I've, been, I've been had already, so I might as well turn myself in. So the information was leaked out uh, to us 72 hours before any move was going to be made. So the board member comes and tells me I'm resigning. That's how he got around the motion. Uh, basically, there was not going to be any special meeting. We weren't going to put on the table this person going to a certain location. Uh, I'm resigning. Then my question to him was, is it, is your resignation a reference to your position that you're going to? Blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, that person looked a little crazy as how I knew about it. And uh, But true to form, knowing how we operated, uh, the individual said, yes, I just don't want to go through that. And so... Resignation accepted. That why that is the purpose of that clause and why we had it. We didn't say he was going to do anything wrong, but we had to feel safe as a as an organization. So that's why it was there. So it had a lot of effectiveness. Another rule: a lot of people say, well, if your group was based on ethnicity, you know, because of the name. Could you be from another ethnic race and join? And the answer is yes. As long as you embraced our constitution and our platform, what we stood for, you were more than welcome. Whether you were green, yellow, blue, it didn't matter to us. You were welcomed as long, and the application said so. You've, you know, you become a member embracing the constitution of our organization and what the organization stands for. So it was, it was clearly uh, stated. So now I said originally, and I'll backtrack on this and we'll end with this note. I said that I didn't have a lot of, I wasn't going to hang my hat in the agency on the last organizational change. And what we decided to do is to branch out all over the state. Now, we had done that prior, so we had connections all over. And uh, I basically became invisible. Nobody even knew if I existed. I remember there was a chief in uh, my agency that sent in his application with a check so enthusiastic because he was sarcastically telling other people that we were a front, uh, you know, we really didn't even organize. Who's a member anyway? And that's exactly how we wanted it. They didn't know. And we were a lot larger than they had any idea at all. Of course, uh, we took the check and we took uh, the application and the vote was... Uh, all in favor was zero, all against was everybody, and he didn't even get a notice. And uh, 
it was more of interpret our silence. We don't want you. But um, obviously his membership was for infiltration, and we could see that coming like a freight train. So we dealt on the outside, and we dealt very effectively. Uh, we went to other agencies all over the state of Florida, building bridges and empowering those people there. It's probably the happiest uh, time I ever had in leading the organization. Inside the agency, it was a freaking mess. They're whining, bitch. And, you know, you, you know the characters and you know the personalities. So every time there was a little grievance, it was a giant molehill. So you were pretty much all the time on a sit-down trying to straight out, straighten out something that was totally ridiculous. So those that work with me know that um, I was attached to the hip uh, many times with different people talking about different things, all business-related, had almost zero life, and uh, constantly on a phone. And uh, the last rule that we had, and I'll end with this, is that we spoke in code. We spoke in code with numbers, we spoke in code in language, and we had nicknames for everybody. Those nicknames, some people assumed who they were, hit or miss. Some people, they would never guess who they were, and only the inner circle knew who they were. Funny names, uh, also the time, as I said, uh, I think in other episodes, whatever the nickname was, it was something opposite. For example, a good friend of mine, loyal, probably the most dangerous person we ever had in the department as far as with uh, fighting abilities. And uh, we called him Curly, but he was bold. All right, so without any further ado, we got to talk about the prayer business. We got to talk about what the government's doing. What in the world is this all about, this national prayer breakfast that happens in February? So time, honk the horns, get the clowns, and let's get moving. Prayer Business, episode 114. We're going to be discussing a whole lot about how our government does the daily prayers. Every year in the month of February, they organize the National Prayer Breakfast. Now, the National Prayer Breakfast for lack of a better term, is like a giant social club. And you have, it's a lobbyist heaven where they emerge and 
you might have thought that the National Prayer Breakfast was just one day, but it's not. It's it's a week-long event. And uh, from there, there's a whole lot of business that is attended that week. Of course, setting up to be a part or getting an invite to be there can take over a year. So during that year, there is a lot of negotiations. Now, the National Prayer Breakfast was founded basically in 1935 by a gentleman from Norwegian descent. Of course, he came to this country, became an American. His name was Abraham Veridi. And I might be mispronouncing the last name. And uh, the original concept that he did in 1935 was a prayer type of breakfast luncheon for business leaders and government. It was an opportunity to rally around scripture and prayer for the two sides to come together. Well, uh, during the Second World War, uh, President Roosevelt and Truman were invited to be a part of the National Prayer Breakfast, but they declined in going. A couple of reasons why. It wasn't of, of interest at the time. Remember, it's its inception almost. And there was a little thing uh, happening in... Europe as well as in Asia, which was the Second World War that kept uh, those two presidents occupied and busy. And there was really no need for negotiation during that time frame because the government was, of the country was at war. So they declined. But uh, soon after, uh, 1953, President Eisenhower jumped at the opportunity to attend. And uh, the floodgates opened up and let the business start. Now, somewhere during this uh, process now, after 53, of course, there's opportunistic individuals that see the opportunity that they can meet with certain politicians, government officials, for certain issues. I believe that the organization might have started on the general principles of scripture and having people come together of one accord, but uh, that was quickly evaporated. And the reason it was evaporated was because, see, God was never there. Scripture tells us that if there are two or more there in my name, so am I. Well, very quickly, there wasn't two or more there that were in his name. There were, there were more than two or three in there, but they weren't there for him. They were there for themselves. And so the prayer business started to begin. The prayer business was a, a merger of church and state where the government really wanted to try to separate the two but church and state represented faith to a certain extent um, off the surface, but in actuality it represented power. So the individuals that are going or being a part of this group 
It's about power. And that power, of course, we know, can be easily corruptible. So the first Thursday of every February, the week-long event, the journey begins on probably, as I said, one year or more negotiations. The organization of the prayer breakfast just didn't occur for the United States. It's branched out to become worldwide. And some of the examples I can give you to that is coincidentally in my research, I discovered that in 2014, all right, somebody, hold on a minute. So let's get Adam Shift on the phone here if we can. See if we can get Shifty Shift on the phone because we're going to talk about something that's probably interesting. He needs all the help he can get. Unbelievable. The number doesn't even work. All right, so back to the story. Um, in 2014, the patriarch of the Ukraine Orthodox Church, His Holiness Philorate, I believe that's how you say it, uh, addressed the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. 2014, just the other day. I wonder who was the president in 2014. Let's see. Okay. So uh, that was coincidental. I thought that was uh, pretty neat. Okay. So you had people like the Dalai Lama. Now, let, me, let, me, let me think about this a little bit. What in the world would Dalai Lama have to do with Christianity? King Abdullah of Jordan, King Abdullah II of Jordan, what does what would he have to do with Jesus? Hmm. Don't think about that one. So if you kind of get where I'm going with this, uh, it gives you an idea that uh, now world leaders, and I just kind of pick some off the top there. No, not nothing major. To, I want to scare the pants out of you. Don't be alarmed just because uh, His Holiness, the Patriarch of the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church, uh, addressed the National Prayer Breakfast in 2014. That was totally coincidental, I'm sure. And so you have people from all around the country, they're all around the world, I'm sorry, and they're trying to get in. They're negotiating uh, with the National Prayer Group. Now, the National Prayer Group has their setup in Washington, D.C., where they have a, sort of like a, a home, a mansion, and so forth. And I'm not going to get too much into that. And uh, for many, many years, the organization was run by a gentleman by the name of Doug Cole. And Doug Cole was mentioned by many, many presidents, and we'll go ahead and put those links on on the show notes so you could see. He was the power breaker, of course, all in the name of God with the Bible raised in hand. But th the question is, where's God in all this? Because King Abdullah II of Jordan wasn't converted, neither was the Dalai Lama. I wonder what happened. Patriarch of the Orthodox Church of Ukraine. They didn't become followers. I don't think so. 
So, as you see, it's the business at hand. Now, Mr. Doug Cole, for many, many years, he ran that. He has since passed. And the club, or the, it's not a club, but the National Prayer Breakfast basically became a pay-to-play type of scam. You might have heard that before in 2015, 2016, around there. Pay-to-play. And... So you had people that, let's say, their country was very influential in oil. So they had certain maybe politicians, congressmen, senators in the U.S. And that was a great opportunity to study Scripture together and pray for one common people all over the world. Now, one of the other objectives of the National Prayer Breakfast is to conduct a new world order. I know Papa Bush used to say that all the time, and not many Americans knew what in the world he was talking about. A new world order. Today, those words are scary. But back when he was rambling on and nobody paying attention, it didn't mean anything. So it is a club of the affluent, people that are out for themselves and looking to become rich and powerful. Doug Cole often said that the power of the group is in its invisibility. So when they can't see you, you become a power because things are occurring. And things were occurring here on a daily basis, not just a week in February. Remember, the week in February was to put everything together. And, but prior to that, there was a lot of backdoor negotiations to see if you got an invite and you were allowed through the front door. This today continues. Presidents continue to address the National Prayer Club and agendas are brought forward. Now, if... I'm not saying that there's a sinister, evil group that is molding government in the image that they would like, because that's almost an impossibility in this government, and you could see that by just turning on the television. I think what they were doing was enriching themselves, if not financially, but through power. And that power was absorbing them. Of course, we know that Christ said that money is the root of all evil. And there must have been a whole lot of money that transpired through these meetings. Uh, We know that uh, a lot of business leaders attend also during the week. And every day of the week, in February, uh, different industries kind of uh, sponsor the uh, event or the breakfast or the prayer breakfast. It could also be a dinner at night at various different events. And um, the original concept was it was a breakfast, a prayer breakfast in 1935 between business and the government. Today, they just kept that same name, but uh, 
there is a prayer breakfast, don't get me wrong, but there's also lunches and dinners and so forth. Business is business, my friends, and money is made to be had. And a lot, of, I, I, and I often think what wor- worldwide business dealings could have, in case Shifty Shift is listening to the podcast, could have come from the National Prayer Breakfast. Maybe even things like global warming. Hmm. Maybe. Don't really know. I don't have any knowledge because a friend of mine, that he got it from a friend of his that was told by another friend or an acquaintance that was passing by as they heard two people talking, said it could have been. Just in case Shift is listening to me. Today we see how the Democrats are going full tilt towards impeachment and the hearings are horrible and they're just falling apart. I don't think they went through the national breakfast, uh, prayer breakfast uh, route to get these things accomplished. And when you jump ship, as to say, from the regular rule of order, it becomes disorganized, and that's what we're seeing here. So I don't have any specificalities. I can tell you that there is a documentary on Netflix, which I was tuned into, and um, uh, Mike Sierra had told me about it, and I, I believe it was in August or September of this year. Oh, there goes that beep thing that drives him crazy. All right, let me turn this off. And um, I was told back then, you know, watch this. It's called The Family. It's about the National Prayer Club. And I did. I watched the movie. And I think that uh, within five to ten minutes into the movie, I knew that the National Prayer Club was a scam. They operated more as a cult. And, of course, a documentary kind of, they always put people that believe in God toward it, sort of like on the insane so I had to kind of try to read through the lines because the uh, the people that did the documentary, of course, they always want to put Christians as crazy. But uh, things that they were saying were just, you can, they were off base. They weren't godly. And the uh, governor of South Carolina is part of that documentary. The, uh, the, I forgot his name. That's how important he was. He recently was running for president, too and the Republican primary. He's going to run in the primary against President Trump, but uh, he gave up his campaign. But nobody knew he even had a campaign, but he gave it up anyway. And that's the governor that said he was soul-searching in the mountains, but he was really with shacked up with uh, the side chick in Argentina. So that tells you everything. And he's a part of that documentary, too. So there's a lot of things happening there. I will post uh, the information for the documentary and a couple of articles there. Not too many articles because, of course, they're leaning left. The left wants you to believe that the National Prayer Breakfast is about a conservative bunch of wackos that want to control the world. Although that might be partly true, they're not the only wackos. Some of our left-leaning nuts that don't believe in anything 
and needless to say, they don't believe in God. They're in that group too, and uh, they'll they'll you know disguise themselves to go into the prayer breakfast and negotiate some things. So this is not really controlled by any one party, and anybody that tells you is wrong because then you would have complete control of the National Prayer Breakfast uh, since 1953. And we know that, uh, let me see, uh, President Clinton and Obama had pretty good runs there, eight years apiece, that's 16. And then, uh, of course, don't can't forget Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's hanging off for dear life, and uh, he was president for four. And Papa Bush with the New World Order, uh, although he did four, he was around there too. So we can go on and on. This, my friends, uh, comes from the top down, regardless of party affiliation. Is it something that U.S. citizens should be scared of? Yes or no. Have they done anything evil? Well, I don't know of anything. But I can tell you it doesn't seem that it should be proper. And it's not in order. Why? Because Christ, uh, the Scripture tells us that everything be done in order These people believe that the rich and elite is where and how Jesus will communicate on his second return. Needless to say, these people have never picked up the scripture, especially the book of James, which says make no exception in the congregation. So they're way off base with that theory of theirs. Now, though, God has picked the humble, the weak, uh, the loud, the the stupid, um, the discarded ones of society to become Christians and to move forward because that's how they give a good testimony. What I just basically said, there's hope for Adam Shift after all. God is still in the business of miracles, so I can't judge if he'll be saved or not one day. The national prayer business, I think, is just that. There are a lot, in the research that I did, there are a lot of uh, uh, chambers of commerce that are out in the U.S. They also operate under uh, meetings and breakfasts and so forth, and with uh, congregations, So uh, this concept has been there for a long, long time. This is nothing that we should be running down the street and screaming about. But what is concerning is that it's turned into a looked-upon favorable event when it has a scrupulous curtain that none of us could see what's happening beyond. And that's what I feel is concerning. When the elite have the ability to judge what is good and what is bad, and they can do it through these means, it is always concerning. I believe in one of my last episodes, uh, might have been a couple of them back, and yet I'll apologize for that. I also have difficulty remembering what I had for lunch yesterday, so and I am over 50. But I did uh, discuss about um, uh, Congress and 
and so forth and how that corruption, well, I would mention names, it would astound you. But I kind of got my documentaries mixed up. So I was referring uh, to the prayer club, but it really had nothing to do with the prayer club. So I apologize for that. That program, I'll probably settle for it, uh, probably in March. We'll, we'll hear about that episode. And it's going to tell you how the left took over the Democratic Party and now is trying to take over the country. And you're going to be amazed and out and you're going to have to wear a seatbelt to listen to that podcast because when you hear the total number of politicians in Washington that are socialist thinking communist platforms is scary. I can tell you that. So what's up next after this? Well, we've got giving thanks and I've got plenty to give thanks for every Thanksgiving we uh, like to reflect on that what is astounding and I want to take the opportunity to talk about this that my first concept when I came up with this you know I said well I'm not going to every Thanksgiving I'm going to have the same show giving thanks because after a while you know you said that last year so you got to come up with a theme. So I said things that you're grateful for. So my original concept was from this show, start talking about those things that I'm grateful for, or at least putting the mindset. So I said, well, I'm going to kind of close out episode 114 and having people start thinking about those things. So our homework assignment, boys and girls, is to Think about those things that you can truly say with a pure heart that you are grateful that they exist in your life and come up with those reasons. We're going to really dive into that on 115. And, of course, I will invite the superheroes that want to come on and, and discuss what they're grateful for. But I want to take the opportunity, and I know he just hates public recognition of who he is. But this morning I received a text from Pistol Pete, the one and only superhero in our network. And he said in his text, you just came to my mind, and I spotted, and I and I stopped. All right, now you read things with glasses on. All right, let me put my glasses on. All right, here we go again. You just came to my mind, and I stopped to let you know that you are a dear friend. He reflected. Of course, I responded back. Thank you for those kind words, my friend. Uh, kind words friend and uh, no better friend than Pistol Pete continue blessings to the best gunsmith in the entire universe I might have been stretching a little bit when I said universe but I didn't want to go over the top 
That's what I want us to do. I want us to concentrate this coming week until the next podcast of those things that you are grateful for. If you have any ideas, you want to send them in, you can. You can send them in to RaiderCopNation at gmail.com. That's one word, folks. RaiderCopNation at gmail.com. Send them in. I will read them. And I can um, discuss them of what you're really grateful for. Of course, my superhero friends, you are invited. I will probably do uh, broadcasting uh, for that on the 25th and 26th. If you guys want to call in and, and do a couple of minutes on, on what you're grateful for, you're more than welcome. But. Our homework assignment, because we got to get ready for that episode. Episode 115, giving thanks and what we are mostly appreciative of what we have. And uh, we're going to get ready for that, for that calling on 115. As always, it is my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Radio Cop Nation. Continue to pray for yourself, because without you, we have nothing Pray for your family. Pray for your community. Pray for the law enforcement agencies that serve you. And most importantly, continue to pray earnestly and of a pure heart for the country of the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike. And, I'm and guide her through the night with a light. From above, from the mountains, to the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam, God bless America, my home, sweet. Thank you.